You want to find and keep your tribe of raving fans. I want to support that journey. This is the Digging Deep Podcast with your host, Justin Lamb of 360 Media. I explore ways to help you build a more attractive business that finds and keeps your tribe of raving fans. Hey everybody, this is Justin Lamb and you're listening to episode 44 of Digging Deep where I help business owners build better businesses. And today I am joined by a good friend of ours, actually the vice president of our BNI chapter this uh, this term, uh, Patrick from On Point uh, Personnel and Recruiting. Patrick, how are you? I'm doing great, Justin. Thank you very much for having me. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I know it's uh, late on a Wednesday <laughs> evening and we both had a really early morning. I know. I feel like I've been stuck in this chair the whole time. <laughs> uh, one thing that COVID is going to do is give us big butts. <laughs> And solid ass screws in our chairs. I know. Oh man. Uh, so I, I want to start off and ask you a little bit about how how you started on point. What was you know needed in the market when you first you know, started that? <laughs> uh, what was needed in the market? Well, um, you know, there's a, certainly an abundance of recruiting companies. So I would say we're not necessarily needed. But what we saw uh, that didn't exist really was a recruiting company that uh, allowed their employees to really work from home, have some flexibility. Um, you know, I don't know what your audience knows about recruiting, but the standard model is come work 60 hours a week, bust your ass, uh, you know, see your family a little bit and you can make pretty decent money. Uh, the downside of that is that you barely get to see your family. And uh, so that's where my partners and I decided to do something that give us just more flexibility. We all have families, we all have kids, and we wanted to have a business that supported that and kind of was grown with that in mind and kind of that was the model. Interesting. So, I mean, I, I'm not sure how, how deep the knowledge goes in our audience, so I might as well ask <laughs> it for them because, you know, burning burning ears must, must know these things. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about what the industry is typically like. I mean, you mentioned that, you know, um, what you do is you bring on people who work you know, ungodly amount of hours uh, with, yeah. for, for a decent pay and doesn't see family. So, yeah. you know, is that the traditional norm and is that only in particular industries? Um, so, I mean, my experience is predominantly IT recruiting. And so I, I can really only speak to that one. Um, sort of in my, like, you know, I've been doing that for 11 years. So that's where I really know, know it. Um, but yeah, I mean, cause it's a, a bit of a burnout model where they, they bring on, you know, big company will bring on 30 people in a year and, and six will last. And so the model is just bring them in. The ones that will last will stay. Um, it can be a fun environment. Usually it's a lot of young people working. Um, and then that way, you know, the ones who are good and the ones who can seem to, to progress will stick around and you start building your book of business. And so then you really want to stay because uh, you spent all this time building that up and, and you start to make good money. So I'd say that's a pretty standard model. Although I will say lately, I've seen more of a transition to a little more flexibility. COVID has, has uh, sort of pushed a lot of firms that way as well. Uh, I think, you know, that was something that we kind of wanted to do from the outset. And that is where the model, I think, was broken. Um, but yeah, it's certainly something where I would say a lot of businesses or a lot of recruiting firms have this model. There's a lot of hungry people, $45,000 a year base salary can look pretty appetizing to kids fresh out of college. Uh, and that's just how much hustle have you got? Mm. So, I mean, by its very nature, you're placing them and you get a commission off the top or a retainer of, of some sort based on, mm. you know, the number of people, the duration, the tenure of the individual. Yeah, everything, every model will be a little bit different, but it's, it's operates on a basic, basically the same premise, which is, uh, 
client A needs a person, their max budget is a hundred bucks an hour. You find a candidate who's wants 80 bucks an hour and, and you take that spread. And usually most of that goes to the employer. Uh, that was the other thing, you know, why I left was when I was making my employer $500,000 in profit and I was seeing just over a hundred thousand, I was going, the math doesn't make sense for me. I'm making someone else very rich. So I'm going to do it on my own, but it's and a basic yeah, spread model there where you're just taking the margins. Fantastic. That's an interesting uh, thing. And, and, and I think a lot of people don't understand what that, what that's like. And, and that being said, I think a lot of small uh, business owners, um, you know, never think about outsourcing uh, their HR recruitment and, you know, and so, I'm guessing that you know because you specialize in IT. Do you do any other? Um, do you do any other sort of industries? You know, tangent yeah. to those. Yeah, yeah. We've worked uh, finance, temp labor, like office admins. No, not not construction really. Um, when I say temp labor, I mean you know office admins, clerical work, uh, accounts payable, accounts receivable. Uh, I've placed some sales and marketing people, although I find that a little bit more challenging for some reason because everyone can call themselves a marketer and and everyone thinks they're good at sales. So uh, it's hard for me to discern sometimes talking to people. <laughs> <laughs> but well, IT not, is my bread and butter. But if not selling you, then they're not really that great at sales. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just hard. I find marketing hard. Everyone can say I'm a digital marketer. I'm a, I'm a this marketer. I'm a that marketer. I'm a marketing manager. And so I really have a tough time going, well, are you, how do I know you're really good? And I think that's my lack of industry knowledge that I just cannot uh, really dig probe deep on those ones. Well, I wouldn't be too worried about it because I don't think people even within our industries can tell them about sometimes. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's a little bit of that, that uh, turnover mill that uh, you go through to, to hopefully find the right one. Yeah. So talking about turnover, which is quite a, an interesting thing, I'm, you know, especially in the tech space, there is a lot of uh, quick you know, turnover. Like they're the yeah. hire fast, fire fast kind of model for, for, the, for the most part. You know, how do you feel you know, that works out for the individuals that you're placing, like, you know, what, what, what's going on in that market? Is there changes happening? I know you kind of alluded to, to shifts in uh, the way people want to work, but you know, how does, how does that impact your industry? And how do you think that that's going to go forward in the next, you know, three to five years? I would say in IT, uh, it's a lot of the gig economy almost. It's a lot of contractors. A lot of the times we're bringing people on for six months, one year contracts. Sometimes it's three months. Um, oftentimes those will extend longer. So it works well for the contractors. They kind of know they're in it for a defined period of time. It might extend, but predominantly they, they've set themselves up to be this contractor model. So it actually kind of plays to that advantage, I'd say, especially in today's economy. There's still people who want uh, the full-time roles and, and we do recruit on those and people will, but the IT is kind of one of those, those markets where two years, three years tops for, for many of them where they, they start to look. So it's one of those things where you're always reaching out to people and, and oftentimes they're very receptive to hearing about jobs. Uh, and I think employers kind of know in the IT space, you know, they want to keep good people and, and you see the, they pay well for that in the IT industry, but at the same time, there's a, a big demand for for people, and those with the skills can can move around and they can make a lot of money doing that. And so, when you have um, you know sort of this massive turnover, you know the the question I think a lot of people ask, at least in in that space, is like, what does an employer need to have at the ready, or what what is a good indicator? 
that it's time to use an outsourced agency versus trying to bring them in-house on their own? Like, you know, what are the advantages? And I think a lot of people are kind of, you know, put off maybe uh, about, you know, the commission structures or maybe there's a misconception about it. But what are some of the advantages that uh, a person might want to consider uh, when, when going that route? So for me, and when I'm talking to my clients or with prospective clients, it, it comes down to a couple different factors. I'll say this. So small business or, or small to medium business, it's really about your time. Do you, you know, when you're focused on your business and you have as a sort of small business entrepreneur, you have a lot of tasks on your plate. Is hiring really something that you always want to be doing? Or does it make sense to spend anywhere from let's just say five to $15,000 to outsource that to someone who can get you three really good candidates really quickly who want to work for you or who are at least interested in what you're doing. So it's partly that if you're looking at the bigger, bigger companies, the, the government agencies, the, you know, crown corporations for them, it's, they want an arm's reach model where they can fire someone quickly. They don't have to pay them benefits. Uh, so in that sense, it makes perfect sense. They just look at it as a, a cost of doing business and they're happy to, to pay those fees. So I think it kind of depends on how you're looking at it, but really if you're, if you value your time and if you know that you are busy and hiring, it's just one more thing on your plate that you're not going to do well unless you, you drop other things and, and really turn your attention to that, then I think it makes a lot of sense. Now, obviously a lot of businesses can be cash strapped and they don't have that, that affordability. So they have to figure it out, but there are those businesses that are making good money and they just want to get people in the door, get people hired and get the right things done. You've got projects that need to go. And so there it makes sense to, to engage with us and actually uh, and bring on a contractor or pay the fees <laughs> that we charge. And, and it's not always astronomical either. Okay. And well, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, obviously not like, you know, spilling everything and all the, 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 the nitty gritty, but you know, more so, if a company is considering going that route, like, you know, how should they look at their budgeting in order to say, you know, safely place a person without having some surprises kind of come out to them? Like, you know, I think business owners in general, they, when they're looking for help, they, they don't necessarily think about having an outsourced agency, you know, maybe because in their mind, they have uh, an obstacle where they think that's really expensive. But let's just say, you know, an average IT person, um, you know, entry level somewhere in the 45, 45K uh, entry, what should we be looking on top of that? Should they be budgeting a 30%, you know, on top of that for the finder's fee, so to speak, with the placement fee, you know, are they, are they looking for like 2X? <laughs> no, no. So I think two things, one, junior people, we don't work a lot on those unless it's bigger, bigger clients like BC Hydro or, or Telus or something like that, where again, it becomes a volume and they just don't have the time. They're willing to outsource that. If it's a smaller company, you can find junior people pretty quickly without, I would say, our help. And I kind of steer clients away from using us at times, or at least I'll do a, a lower cost model for them. If you actually want someone who's now been in the industry for three plus, five plus years uh, and is starting to, to really find their feet, uh, then yeah, you, you kind of want to engage with a recruiter fees um our standard for a permanent placement can be i would say 14 to 16 percent mm -hmm. which is on the lower end for our industry uh and that's about their first year salary mm -hmm. uh and then for for the actual hourly rate yeah you know clients will typically and and it is usually lower when it comes to the, the smaller clients but you know they're looking at the 
sort of 50 to $60 an hour for more of a, a junior intermediate resource. So I think it makes sense for them because again, you look at your sort of, I call it time velocity is what do you do if you're not, like if you have a project and you have to deploy it or you have to get people working on it. And if you're not working on it, you're going to lose your client, your end client, or you're not going to deliver what you need to do. So you're willing to, to throw some money at it. So it's, it's just, it, it becomes this, um, what is the business value to you and what is it worth? Is it worth you spending $5,000 or $8,000 a year? Uh, most people say yes. Some people say no, I'm going to do it my, myself and fair enough. Um, but yeah, I, I think it really just, you look at it from uh, uh, what are your capital expenditures? What's your budget for, for that per year that you set aside? Um, what is this project worth and what am I, what are you billing your end client? And if you're not baking in margins that way, then, then you got to look at it, uh, uh, differently so then you can't really outsource it or bring on a recruiter so it really just comes down to what is your your model how much are you making profit on your project that you're you're engaging us to bring a contractor on so there's a lot of factors there yeah and, and it's really interesting because you know more and more i'm seeing especially in the tech space that contract work is becoming more frequent i mean i think when I first was introduced to that, it was a lot of uh, electronic arts people. Uh, EA yeah. was was sort of like one of the the meccas, um, you know, here in, in that space. Um, but I think that model is is really grown, and and I think that it benefits sort of both parties in a sense. Um, you know, the the both the the um, the recruitee uh, yeah. and then the employer uh, in that, you know, for tax purposes, it, it can be advantageous, um, you know, especially yeah. with benefits and whatnot. And then for the, uh, um, for the recruitee, um, I feel that that would be better for them because, you know, they, they can always move up and move quicker, you know, in terms of pay scale and experience without having to, you know, kind of run through, you know, the traditional, uh, raises, so to speak, yeah. you know, as they, as they acquire skills. Yeah. And I think what you see too, is a lot of people, well, I'll broadly generalize, but you know, those who have families, one person will be a full-time employee. They get their benefits. The benefits cover the family and it leaves the other person able to go be a contractor where they can bake 30, 40%, sometimes even more, uh, over and above what a full-time salary would be. And then you add in all the, the sort of tax benefits of being incorporated and be able to write things off and, and shelter some money and have dividends. So there's, there's a lot to be said for, even if you had someone who's making 50 bucks an hour, or someone who's making hundred K a year, those are roughly the same. The person making 50 bucks an hour can usually come out a little bit further ahead, uh, with how they're, they're sort of stashing their cash uh, and uh, keeping it protected. So I think a lot of people see the value there, especially if you're younger, you know, maybe you don't have a partner, but you also have your health benefits are going to be less important. Uh, and you get a lot more exposure if you, you know, resume or sorry, job hopping on resumes for IT people is not frowned upon. Uh, it's like that old, uh, you know, those old sayings where people go, oh, you've, you've been at five different jobs in five years. What's happened here? And they go, well, they're all contracts. Of course I have. Uh, and I got all this exposure to all these different cool things. So I think um, there's a big trend towards contracting. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, over, I mean, two, my two decades of, of entrepreneurship, I mean, I've seen that shift and it used to be, you know, if you hopped, you know, various companies, you know, people did frown upon that, rather regardless of space at the time, yeah. um, you know, and, and what has shifted? Like what, 
what is the mindset about that now? Um, you know, for for people who are listening, you know, if they're looking to recruit people and, you know, they have that old mindset is, you know, you, you've got to be, you know, long tenures and whatnot. And, and now they're seeing people with one, two year experiences in companies and they're moving around, you know, what are people who are looking to recruit um, you know, people, employees into their business? What do they, what should be going through their minds when they see those? Yeah. So, it's going to sound maybe a little bit backwards, but if I see someone with a resume and they've been somewhere for, for 10 years, I think one of two things, either they had a cushy job and then it ended uh, for some reason. And what did they, what were they learning in that time frame? Because if you're in the same job doing the same thing, and yes, you may get a pay bump and you may get a bit of a title bump and maybe you get a little more responsibility or you start leading a team and, and that's great. But are you getting exposed to a bunch of new products, a bunch of new technologies, but like, I look at it from the standpoint of you kind of got to keep moving. It's like a, a snowball going down a hill, keeps collecting snow and gets bigger and bigger. You're just adding skills to yourself as you go. Uh, if you've been at one job for that many years, are you growing? Are you learning? Um, maybe, but I, I don't know. I, I, I actually struggle a little bit, not struggle, but it's harder to place people who have been somewhere for 10 years and trying to get them a job versus trying to get a contractor who moves every two years. It's a lot easier to get the contractor the job because I think employers have made the mind shift. Um, and there's not, there's still companies that look for that tenured person. They want that, that I don't know, company man, company lady uh, who will stick around. But I think a lot of companies are, are shifting their business model or just the way business is going. They've, they've made that change. Amazing. And so, it's is the business just yourself um, or do you have partners how does it work for you guys so it's kind of interestingly structured i have two businesses uh there's on point personnel that's three partners um and then there's on point one um which is the sort of it services and and managed help desk and professional services and that has four partners so we've got the original three from on point personnel and then we added a, a fourth person who brought some expertise uh from a real sort of technical perspective. Um, uh, so he's a pretty, I would say, uh, highly regarded architect. And so we brought him on board uh, to be a partner to help expand that side of the business. So yeah, there's can be too many cooks in the, in the kitchen sometimes, but uh, I think we all complement each other as well. Yeah, and, and this leads me right into, um, you know, something that I find really interesting. And, and in the space of entrepreneurship, I find people are having a huge aversion uh, or growing aversion to partnerships. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I thought it'd be interesting perspective because I mean, I've had partnerships in businesses that I had um, and mine was disastrous. Uh, you know, <laughs> mine, mine was just horrendous. Um, and, and at the end of it all, out of the, the, the four partners, oh no, the five partners, that was the fifth one, but out of the five partners, I only talked to one uh, now and the rest of them, you know, could go, you know, you know where the sun doesn't shine. <laughs> play in traffic, um, right? Yeah, they can go play in traffic all they want. <laughs> uh, uh, but, you know, through that, I also learned a lot, um, you know, in terms for, for business, um, you know, and, and of course, you know, as I expand into, 
the business um, coaching and, and marketing. Um, I now recognize so many things that I wish I knew then because uh, it would have saved me a whole bunch of money and a lot of heartache. Uh, but in your experience, you know, what type of things uh, have worked for you guys? Um, and what type of things do you feel are challenges uh, that people might want to consider when they're doing partnerships? And yeah. do you feel like <laughs> partnership is, is, is a good option for people? That's a good question. And that's like, oh man, um, I could spend an entire hour talking about that. But uh, so when we started, that was, this has been kind of my first, I guess, two companies, even though it started with one and now we've got two. Um, so having partners to me was like a safety net in, in terms of like, it's not just me doing it. I've got someone else that I'm on calls with at midnight doing RFPs and, and, when we lose, we lose together. When we win, we win together. So that has been great. And luckily I'd say we have partners. We all have different strengths. We all have different weaknesses, but we can at least, all our strengths blend pretty well. So that like, I hate finance. I hate creating contracts. I hate those things. So I got a partner who's really good at that and he, he handles that stuff. And, and eventually brought on an employee who, who does that stuff as well. But at the same time, there's partners where you want them to go. They're maybe not as hard charging and they're not as aggressive as you want them to be. So then you have frustrations where you're going, why aren't you chasing that business? Why are we just accepting no as an answer here? Why aren't we digging deeper? So it becomes this thing of like, you start to, I guess it's like a relationship. You start to look at these things, you go, you know, it's all roses and, and kittens when you start. And then, and then as you spend time together, you start to realize there are things that, that bother you. And the question becomes, are they things you can live with or are they things that will melt down your partnership? And, and so far, I would say they've been things that have not caused us to melt down, but we've had some definite talks, some definite uh, come to Jesus moments. And if I had to do it again, I would probably limit the number of partners <laughs> to maybe two, you know, someone who can kind of wear the COO hat and then one who wears the CEO or, or sort of president hat. And that's, that would be it. And it's interesting that you say that. Uh, and, and the reason why I kind of wanted to touch on this is because this is something that um, I find is really useful for a lot of, of the clients that I work with. Um, and, you know, when we talk, as you talk about relationships, uh, relationships are, Super important. And what I've realized over the last, you know, couple of decades is that uh, much like when you find a relationship in your own personal life, uh, there are people who can just do the job and yeah. those people you can get along with. Um, but what I find is, is that the synergy and the the actual strength of your relationship lies in your core values. And mm -hmm. if you guys have two or more core values that are very strong and, and very similar that you guys will have likely a very long relationship and that it'll work. And then the differences are what causes catalysts. Um, <laughs> you know, this, they may be charged, but I think at the end, when you have core values aligned, you're going to move a little bit farther, further ahead. And that's something that I really do believe in. It's yeah. when the people who you bring on, you bring on because of their talents, but they don't necessarily map the same core values. And then it's just a shit show. Right. Yeah. And then, then everybody feels like the other person is undermining. Uh, yeah. And you know, when you get to four partners, I mean, everything starts to multiply. It's not actually, I don't think it's actually multiplies. I think it becomes exponential. It, yeah. um, 
<laughs> judging <laughs> by what you actually it's like it's not multiplication it's not three people it's all of a sudden it's like the power of yeah, nine it's compounded mm-hmm. yeah so it is really interesting that 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 you feel that way and um, i think that's common amongst a lot of people but i also think people run the fear of you know having a partnership because they feel like they're giving too much up at the table but you know on the flip side like you've mentioned you know there is there's value to it in in that you know you have a person who will be there at bat with you assuming you choose the right partner Uh, and i think people shouldn't jump into those people who are listening don't jump into a relationship you don't jump into a relationship get married (laughs) and then figure out you need a divorce right like you had a prenup for that (laughs) yeah yeah i had a strong contract a partner's contract at the start exactly and so yeah but i think a lot of people you know especially couples couples do this a lot so couples will start especially in my world um in in marketing and photography lots of couples start their business together with zero contract uh, <laughs> there's definitely no prenup and then one gets mad at the other and next thing you know the yeah. dissolve um but you know in terms of partnership i think it's really valuable that uh, that you've got a good experience and you know you bring some insight i think some people will, will enjoy yeah. at least to know that there are partnerships that do work yeah, and just to add to that, I would say the one thing that I would, you know, if I, if I could start all over again, and not that I, I don't want this to sound like I don't love where I am um, right now because things are good, but, um, you know, if we do it again, the one thing I would look for, what I'd recommend anyone who wants to take my, my whatever uh, my advice is worth here, um, partners, as long as you operate at the same level too, or that should be one of the keys, I know that comes back to values, but like, whether that's you know, your level of hustle, uh, how much you're willing to put in. Um, like I said, we started this business with family in mind. You know, I'm lucky I, I get to pick up my daughter from school most days, um, even drop her off most days. And those, that's why we, we wanted to do this. But I'll also work till, like I said, midnight or, or 1 a.m. if I need to. And, and I expect, and that's where you want your partners to do the same. Uh, if you have partners who aren't willing to do the same, that's where you can really start butting heads and and enter those problems. Cause then you feel like you're the only one uh, pulling and you want everyone pulling in the same direction at the same time. Yep. Yeah, absolutely true. So tell me a little bit, we're going to pivot a little bit. Uh, tell me a little bit more about uh, your IT services. And, and that is a growing segment, you know, yeah. the, the uh, decentralized uh, command in, in, in businesses, I think, is really becoming this new. Well, it's not really new, but it is. It is. It is growing in popularity, much like entrepreneurship yeah. has grown in popularity. <laughs> uh, but decentralized command, and of course, that also means uh, a decentralized uh, IT department. So, tell me a little yep. bit about what that's all about for you. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think it's like everything that we do now are you know. If you want songs, go to Spotify. If you want videos, go to Netflix, right? You don't need to have that stuff in-house. Uh, you don't need to buy all this stuff and keep it on your bookshelf anymore. And it's the same with IT companies. You can put all your infrastructure into the cloud. You can put your help desk. It can be local, but it can just be not on your payroll or at least not something that you have to uh, to have a huge staff for. You can outsource it. Uh, and that's where we found a lot of growth, you know, especially with with COVID, right? You have all these people, these companies that have to go from home back to the office, back to home, back to the office, and they need help. Uh, and you don't have the resources internally, so you you look externally. And there are tons of companies too. You know, we're certainly not first to market. Um, and, and you know, yeah, you, you provide as long as you can provide a good service. 
but I think there's a huge market for, so yeah, managed IT, and that's everything from tier one, tier two support uh, for just your general, I can't access my Outlook, I, my passwords aren't working, I don't have internet, what's going on? Uh, and then there's the project side, and that's big companies, you know, we're doing a lot of work right now with, uh, with BC Liquor uh, and some other bigger corporations like that. And that's, you know, they got big projects where they say, we want to uh, get all of our laptops very secure. We want to be able to take it home, come back to the office. If you lose a laptop, you can literally just wipe it from remotely. Um, if you get a new laptop, you can add it into the ecosystem. And for that, that's where we found a big niche uh, right now. And, you know, that's kind of back to what we're saying about having those technical experts, those contractors. Uh, and that's what we bring to them because in-house they've got people who've been there 25 30 years they they haven't kept up to speed with technology uh and so you need to bring in those really specialized resources who who know that and so that's the sort of service that that we see and that we we want to bring to our clients and i think that's a really big business model right now that you see a lot of companies there's billion dollar companies like soft choice doing it and then there's us uh who are sort of the uh, few millions uh doing it um and everything in between yeah, and, and each serve a different market. I mean, there are people who won't be able to pay, uh, pay the top tier rates and mm -hmm. you know they'll, they'll have to go to middle market. And, and that's something that uh, people need to understand. I think, you know, when when they're at a certain level, they, they can only afford an, a certain level of service or a certain level of expertise, um, you know, and you're paying for the brand and the infrastructure uh, yeah. for, for larger scale companies. And so, you know, people need to compare apples to apples. And I think a lot of people do a disservice to, you know, your local one, you know, singular contract IT dude um, yeah. who who's on call, who can't keep up, you know, can't keep his head above water on, on the best <laughs> of days, let alone yeah. get to you. Um, and then of course, somebody like yourself who has a team uh, available to it. And so, you know, you're paying different rates. I mean, it's the, the same as you're paying a single person to paint your house versus a team who paints your house in yeah. like a third of the time. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. yeah and the quality. Mm -hmm. And the one thing too, just to, sorry, not to, to dive in on you, but mm -hmm. you know, from the single person, like the, the realtor, the accountant, the lawyer who just wants to be able to pick up a phone and, and have their stuff work, right? Like what is their billable time worth? They're willing to just say, okay, it's going to cost me 80 bucks an hour to pick up a phone and call on point and, and get my stuff resolved in, in 20 minutes and, and not it. So we'll bill in short increments. Um, I think, like I said, it's back to that model of the Netflix, the Spotify's, they just want access to where they can know that if they need the help, it's there. They're willing to pay a small fee per month to have that that sort of uh, peace of mind. And then, you know, again, it's not super expensive to just pick up uh, the phone and actually talk to somebody who can help you out really fast. Yeah, I mean, not having to keep the overhead on the books. I mean, yeah. you have an IT person that's a desk, computer, internet access, you know, plus your hourly wage for the guy to do something, whether there's anything to do or not. Yeah. And having no, things exactly. on demand, I think, is a, is a much more... Um, popular way to go and i think yeah. that's the same in very in many models i mean it's almost the same in marketing and social yeah. media people are using their own you know stuff and and then on top of that they're having people manage them so we help people manage them just the same and yeah. it's you do some and i'll do some until you don't want to do it anymore and then you can yeah. give it to me uh, exactly right <laughs> yeah I mean, and, and and we're not really in the business i mean you're not really in the business of it if you think about it and neither am i i'm not in the business of marketing we're in the business of saving people time yeah. right yeah we're giving you back time we're giving you back uh, that space yeah. so you know but it's yeah. been really 
really interesting. Um, you know, one thing I like to ask most of my guests when they come onto the show, uh, as as we wrap up, is what is a uh, a book or website or something that you've you've come across that's truly impacted your your journey. I know you warned me this is coming, and I've been thinking about it. And I'm going to say the most cliche answer because it's kind of what really forced my head in that direction. And that was the four hour work week. And I kind of hate that, that answer, you know, yes, I own the book and I know Tim Ferriss get the, uh, he's got his lovers and his haters. Uh, no, the four hour work week doesn't exist in my world. Uh, I think the, the title is very misleading, but the concept in the book always stuck with me. And that was, um, basically kind of self-directed ownership or being your own boss and you can be your own boss you can be a boss of uh you know 10 people or 20 people but it's really carving out your your vision your company and, and doing things the way that you want them to be done right it doesn't mean you work four hours it can mean you work 80 hours in a week um but it's about are you doing the things that you want to do and are you growing the company you want to grow or are you just working for someone else and not that there's anything wrong with that but for me, I knew I always wanted to, to do my own thing. I didn't always know what it was going to be, but I knew I wanted to be my own boss. And so that book, as cliche as it sounds, was the one that kind of really pushed my head in that direction. That's awesome. And, and, <laughs> and you're right. Like, not everybody's made for entrepreneurship. Um, you know, and, and this next decade, I think, or the next decade is really going to show that. It, you know, I think we're at the, the precipice of, of a, a, a really interesting time for entrepreneurship, um, I think the 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 peak days are over, and I think we're going to start to go into the winter, uh, yeah. so to speak, and and we're going to see what what shakes out and and what uh, stays uh, in in all the industries. I think it's going to be a, a global a global thing. Yeah, I, I find it fascinating. I think that the way the world is going, the way the economy is going, it's pushing us into this like you're either you're either. I don't want to say it's every man for himself because it's not. Um, but it's like, you know, you've got the Uber and that's in a sense, you've got, it's a bunch of contracted drivers. You got skip the dishes, a bunch of contracted drivers. You've got all these things where it's a bunch of solo individual people and they might have the contractors, but they're working for yourself and you're hustling. And it's just the way the economy is going right now. And you can take that and expand it and, and become more than just one person. But I still, at the end of the day, think uh, if you really want to um, kind of take charge of your own life, then this is one way of doing it. And, and you know, you, like you said, you've been doing this for uh, 20 years. You know what it's like to, to build businesses, to kind of do it on your terms. It doesn't always work. <laughs> Sometimes you got to fold them. Sometimes you got to pivot. Um, but I think it's more fun to be in control of your own destiny that way. <laughs> Yeah, it's deeply satisfying when you win. It's uh, it's <laughs> definitely not as not, not as good when you when you take the big L. But the the yeah. big Ls make you stronger. Uh, yeah, and, and they they help you grow to to appreciate the W when you get them. That's <laughs> true, right? And I think as long as you're just like doing again cliches, as long as you just keep doing something every day, whatever that one thing is that gets you a little bit closer to what you're trying to do you'll get there eventually and yeah you're gonna get knocked down a bunch of times it's gonna suck uh it's gonna really suck but hey just keep going because uh your alternative well for me the alternative of uh, a full-time job is worse than than uh getting knocked down a bunch of times yeah and, and i mean if you're in the game for business i mean it is 
it is 1% growth every day, you know, is, yeah. is a huge trajectory change and, and it's about consistent habitual growth. And then that's what we talked about this morning at, yeah. our, at our meeting. Uh, but I, I'm a firm believer in it. And I think a lot of people who aren't willing to do that consistent growth is, is, are going to fall by the wayside. They're going to, they're going to realize how hard that winter is going to be. Exactly. Exactly. I'm going to turn on you because I want to know what is the book that pushed you in that direction or that was the first thing that you really, uh, or a movie or, or whatever it was, what was the thing for you? Well, it was interesting. The very first book um, when I was, see, that would have been in 1999, 2000. I probably came across the book, um, not Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I actually read that second. I, I actually read uh, Cash Flow Quadrants first. Okay. Um, okay. And, and Cash Flow Quadrants quadrants is uh also a robert kiyosaki oh, yeah. book. i have that one too <laughs> yeah so so and then and then after that i i read rich dad poor dad and then i read um the last book in that series which was uh slips my mind retire rich isn't yes it? retire young retire rich um and so you know those were the sort of things that pushed me in that direction uh, that being said uh i was it was funny because maybe I think maybe podcast seven or eight, I realized that way back when, um, when I was in grade eight, I actually took um, a course, the junior achievement, of course um, it's in high school. It was, I guess, a lunchtime thing. And, and I don't remember ton from it, but it was um, an introduction to entrepreneurship. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I think a lot of that must've stuck in me or was appealing enough that when it came time in, in, in my life to make a decision that I didn't have a problem with it. Uh, yeah. And I jumped whole hog uh, into it all, uh, which was really quite interesting because, you know, prior to that, I mean, in my head, I was going to be a doctor of some sort. Um, school told me that that wasn't going to be the case. Uh, <laughs> so, so of course, you know, I had to find my own way. And the closest I came was becoming a kinesiologist. But it's funny, like everything has come, you know, around to, to yeah. where I'm at today. But business has been a passion of mine for great many years. And I I would have to say that I would attribute that to to Robert Kiyosaki's books to, to really yeah. ignite that whole uh, long journey. Can I change my answer? Because I had those books when I was like 13. And I still have them in my closet. And those are awesome, right? Like real estate wealth. That's always stuck with me. Um, and you can edit this stuff out because maybe I'm way over time. I don't, but like... I don't edit anything else. So what <laughs> awesome. we're saying here stays on the record. Perfect. Well, I, I my grandma, when I was, uh, I remember I was like 10 years old. She asked me what I want to do when I was older. And I said, I wanted to own a parking lot. And she's like, why do you want to own a parking lot? And I said, because people are paying you to park on a piece of concrete. And then she's like, oh, okay, that, that makes sense. And it was like those, that's a kind of similar model to the rich dad poor dad to buy a piece of an asset that people want to pay you for or rent it from you. And yeah, that, that's similarly to you, that, that stuck with me. Um, it's not the thing that pushed me over the edge as far as starting my own business, but it, those books and that kind of way of thinking, I think is definitely stuck with me. <laughs> well, you know, as much as uh, people people shit on Robert, um, you know, now I, I think he was on to something, and oh, yeah. you know what 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 he put there wasn't wrong. I think people demonize him, um, you know, as they do with many gurus around the world. Uh, yeah. But I think people need to read between the lines sometimes, uh, and not yeah. take things at face value because nothing in this world is guaranteed. Uh, oh, exactly. exactly. <laughs> there are great many factors that come with it. So. <laughs> Exactly. If, if some of our uh, listeners want to connect with you, you know, how are they going to connect? How do, how do they? Um, 
I'm not big on social media, so uh, you can find me through either website onpointpersonnel.com or onpoint1, the number one, dot ca. Uh, my email, I don't know if I should be dropping my personal email, if that's smart or not, I don't know. <laughs> well, what we'll do is we'll put the the, the um, URLs in the description for yeah. the podcast uh, for those people who want to listen. Uh, but I want to thank you so much, Patrick, for hopping on with me and, and yeah, talking shop with me. me. No, yeah. it's been great. It's been great. And uh, uh, I appreciate all the wisdom as well from a former VP uh, to me for helping me out. So, uh, you know, Justin, for anyone who doesn't know, has been also a VP at uh, BNI and uh, has shared lots of insights with me. And I know that I can always turn to you when, uh, when shit hits the fan. <laughs> well, I do appreciate the kind words. Uh, so for everybody, thank you so much. If you've made it to the end, you know, thank you so much for, for taking the time to listen. I hope we brought you something really valuable. Uh, we will really try to dig into some really interesting questions each and every podcast. So if you've listened to the very end, thank you very, very much. Uh, this is likely to be my last podcast for 2020. I'm going to probably take a break uh, up until the new year and we're going to start season two where I'm going to change the format on you. So those people are listening, things are going to change. Uh, but until next time, you guys have a great week and uh, make it awesome. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Your time is valuable and I'm deeply humbled that you're spending that time with me. I want to make this channel something really great, something you can really enjoy and get a lot of value out of. So if you have any suggestions or comments, please connect with me and let me know. If you enjoyed this content, I'd love it if you'd share it with somebody else and if you'd leave a comment on iTunes for me. This helps me rank higher on the search engines. And as always, tune in next week as we dig deeper into marketing and business. Until next time, have a great day.